0: Welcome to The Happy Homeschool, where we talk about creative homeschool inspiration rooted in relationships for the nonconformist, dedicated parent. I'm Laura Blodgett. And my goal at The Happy Homeschool is to inspire and equip you to create a learning environment that makes home everyone's favorite place. You can always read more at thehappyhomeschool.com.
1: It's frustrating, but there there are also times like that where, you know, you're you're twenty minutes into an archaeological dig that that is plastic pigs and cows and things from the kitchen she's used repeatedly and she's like, Hey, wait a minute. We <laughs> just put
2: the pieces together all of a sudden.
0: <laughs> I recognize these artifacts. <laughs> that was a snippet from the interview that I have for you today. It is me interviewing my oldest daughter and her husband. They are homeschooling their young children. They both come at it from very different backgrounds. And so the interview covers everything from them communicating and making these decisions together to dealing with people's assumptions and perceptions about genius and also dealing with very serious health problems. I think the interviews are going to end up being longer than The other podcast episodes, but I didn't want to cut people short. So without further ado, here's the interview. Hello, and I'm very happy today to be starting my series of interviews with my oldest daughter, Heidi, and her husband, Rich. Uh, Rich in particular was a huge encouragement to me in even getting the Happy Homeschool blog and podcast going. And so we're going to start just like we would with anybody, uh, because even though I know them very well, I know that you don't know them that well. So Heidi and Rich, uh, can you take turns and tell us a little bit about yourselves?
1: Oh, yeah. Hi, uh, my name's Rich, and um, I wasn't homeschooled. I went through just a standard public education system until, you know, probably grade 11 and a half, maybe a little <laughs> Um didn't know anybody that was homeschooled growing up until I met Heidi, and uh, so, you know, this has been kind of a new strange trek for me over the past probably 12 years.
2: <laughs> um, so I was homeschooled the entire way through. No public school aside from um, a band class that I took for a couple of years that was interesting. We've been married since uh, 2009 and the children that we are homeschooling are two and six, but we have two older kids who aren't really involved in that, that whole side of things. And uh, yeah, I mean, we've, we've been in Idaho for a long time. So we're familiar with the, the laws and such around here a little bit more than anywhere else, but, It's a good place for homeschooling.
0: Okay. So you probably both came at deciding if, when, and why you wanted to homeschool from different trajectories based on your experience. So maybe you want to tell us a little bit about that. Oh I so different. (laughs) I was
2: always in favor. That was how we were gonna do well, we originally weren't gonna have kids, so there's that. But (laughs) I was always in favor. That was how I wanted to do it. I knew all the good reasons why and so when when we first started talking about it there was a lot of so rich what do you think about homeschooling and then just waiting very patiently for him to actually process that thought
0: (laughs) good for you yeah
1: yeah i uh i didn't have any grand designs on homeschooling Uh, i thought it was good Uh, it helped you know having you know dated heidi and been around all the Blodgett kids and some of the friends of the family and stuff like that. So it, I wasn't anti-homeschooling by any stretch. You know, I, I had kind of really had it in my mind that if we were going to have kids, they would probably go to private school, um, some kind of private school that, you know, had, you know, was based on kind of the Greek trivium or something like that you know, where they could learn Greek and Latin and logic. And that was kind of was pretty heavy in my mind, just stuff I was reading at the time. And I really wanted the kids to kind of have that. That has died in in various incarnations over the past few years. But uh, yeah, when when we decided that we were going to homeschool, you know, everything kind of just changed for us.
2: I don't think we actually made the decision until Corey was probably four. Up until then, we were still occasionally looking at, well, here's a kindergarten or, you know, here's an elementary program and how much does this cost? And it is very expensive to put your children in a private school.
0: Yes. Yes. Very expensive.
1: And my, my motivations have changed as well. I mean, some of those things I really wanted back then that I thought I was going to get out of a private school. You know, one, I'm, I'm not very convinced I would have gotten those things. And, and two, most of them I don't even really want anymore. Yeah. I wouldn't mind, you know, the kids learning some Greek or whatever, just so they can tool around in the New Testament. I don't think it's by any means necessary. It would
0: be fun, but... Not as foundational anymore. No, uh-uh.
2: I always, because of my experience as a child, thought that I would have a very strong influence and hand in whatever the kids were learning. So, you know, if it it came around to it, I was willing to try really hard with homework, but I always would have much preferred to be the one in charge of the lessons.
0: So, how many years have you been officially homeschooling at this point?
2: I would say this is the first. Oh, okay. We basically started any sort of... Well,
1: it's like anything else, though. I mean, when does homeschooling start? I mean, Corey probably should have been in school for almost three years now. So everything we do, she learns from. Right. Um, So that's been, you know, kind of just life is, you know, her learning things, us explaining to them, her being home, that kind of thing. You know, we've been doing things like... Um, devotions and stuff for years Uh, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: yeah
1: so she's been she's been interested I think this is the first year though that we've actually kind of resorted to curriculum
0: or at least a a schedule or plan
1: yeah this
2: this is the first year that we've really decided to sit down and push for some things like reading um, any sort of formalized math. Uh, Everything else was just kind of as I felt like it, I would show her, you know, go outside and draw a bunch of letters on the sidewalk in chalk and see how many she could pick up on, Mm
0: -hmm. do some
2: basic math with insects or, Mm -hmm. you know, count while we're making cookies or that sort of thing. It, It was all very, very much as we live life. These are the ways we use numbers or letters. And right now, she actually has some structured parts of the day where she has to sit down and read and she has to sit down and write. Um, And when I get around to it, she has to sit down and work on her math, which (laughs) technically, so we're doing a first grade math book, Mm -hmm. but um, she knows pretty much everything in it.
0: (laughs) So it's all
1: review? So yeah, that's kind of part of the thing of, you know, this is the first sort of structured year, but I mean... (laughs) All the way up to, you know, halfway or more through the Saxon math, which she's on level four right now, would, would be her grade. She already knew it, sitting down. I mean, uh-huh. having to flip and look for things she didn't know in the first grade.
0: Well, that's rewarding.
1: Yeah. So I guess it was kind of a little closer to what people were calling unschooling, although uh-huh. I wouldn't necessarily have termed it that.
2: So... It wasn't our goal to stay in an unschooling sort of area, but we kind of started.
0: Right. And now you're sort of finding out where she is to maybe do things in a little bit more planned way. Yeah. 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 Her
2: birthday falls such that um, she would either be a very old first grader or a very young Second first grader. grader, second grader, yeah, next year, um, because she's a month after the cutoff mm-hmm. for most school programs,
0: mm-hmm.
2: so kind of when we were originally looking at, at preschool stuff, we were saying, okay, she's going to be three, she's going to be four, but it wasn't available to her for mm-hmm. another year um, in all those situations, and, and I feel like, you know, there's advantages and disadvantages to looking at, at those ages. She can do the first grade math, but um you know reading right now has been a little bit more of a challenge, and she is reading now mm-hmm. but we spent probably five months of this year, four or five months of of this school year quote unquote with intensive practice to get her to where she is now mm-hmm. a lot of effort
1: yeah it seemed like the beginning of the year was. bit more strenuous as we were just trying to find a pace that worked and
0: Mm -hmm.
1: not not exhaust Corey and not exhaust Heidi (laughs) still kind of keep her learning
0: yeah so why do you think the reading was such a trial if you don't mind me asking do you think you felt pressure about it did you feel like you weren't meeting her where she was at with it or you just trying to figure it out I can answer Sure, Um,
1: sure mainly because i applied pressure
0: ah okay
1: Uh, so when you when you approach these things you know from a perspective of this is what we did in school Mm -hmm. and not only this is what we did in school but this is you know what we would have gotten out of a private school so Mm -hmm. my goal was definitely like she's got to read she's got to read right now because you know, we need her to start reading all of these great things, (laughs) you know, so, so I kind of applied a lot of pressure. Um, you know, we tried various things and there, there were times I just had to kind of decide that really maybe what I wanted wasn't, wasn't best, (laughs) or at least it, it wasn't worth the amount of pressure that was being given.
0: Right. And I think a lot of people go through that with their first child. I'm sure I've told the story in at least an email newsletter, and I've probably told it to Heidi because it involves her, but I remember trying to sit down and teach her penmanship for the first time. I'm like, why can't you form your letters? I didn't remember learning so much, and I just thought she should be able to write because I told her so.
2: (laughs) Now, I will say that Corey can write like a champ.
0: Uh-huh. And yeah. She she picked
2: that right up. Yeah, the, the reading was a little bit stressful. and And I also think that she does have some, like, hyperactive tendencies. She's a, she, a very energetic young lady. Absolutely. She would so much rather be doing than be sitting anywhere for any period of time. Even if you sit down and try to read a book to her half the time, she's up and running around again in five mm-hmm. minutes. She does not sit still a lot. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is very much the opposite of me as a child, I would think. Yes. Um, so, so there's a little bit of a, a culture clash in some aspects because I'm like, look, this is so interesting. This, <laughs> And she's like, there are bugs outside waiting for me.
0: Right. <laughs> but of course, you realize that one of your brothers was exactly like that, that he didn't hold still. Exactly. And that and and- gave me some insight
2: into, okay, she needs to run around for a minute or or do something active and then we'll come back.
0: Right. Just a different need to be physical and different kids.
2: As I approach her, her studying now, I try to, if at all possible, I try to give her a couple minutes between things,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, go do that, go do this. And, and, you know, some days it works, some days it doesn't, but we try.
0: <laughs> so, We've kind of touched a little bit on your concerns, Rich, but um, the next question, maybe you want to talk more about it, both of you. You What were your biggest or some of your biggest concerns when you started this effort?
1: I think for me, just, you know, homeschooling wasn't super ideal. Um, Like, you know, I, I definitely had my own goals and I had to basically come down to where I realized that, you know, in the very beginning, it was like homeschool. Well, well, it's better than public school. Right. Not what I want, but it's what I'll settle for. (laughs) It's what makes me happy. (laughs) And um, then, you know, I, as, as the school year sort of, well, school year, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. We know what you mean. It's
1: summertime. We're we're still going. I mean, it's, it's not like there is a school year for us. But I guess guess as things sort of kept going, I guess a big fear of mine is that she wasn't going to learn to read fast enough. She wasn't going to learn math. She wasn't going to be right off the bat where all the other kids that just go to school were.
0: Supposedly uh, were, if I can interject.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But you know, it's like, and and I've said this to Heidi, um, like, you know, first grade this wasn't like a a thing you know we we got taught our letters and we got taught this and we got taught that and we were given readers and it just sort of worked I guess the the thing that was nice about sort of that fear and and it kind of led me into me actually feeling like homeschool wasn't a compromise but it was it was better than what I wanted you know Heidi and I we kind of had this sort of mini argument about i wanted the reading and the writing and the math and um you know she started every morning with the bible and uh, you know of course that progressed into you know her reading her bible for herself and that kind of thing uh you know I, i told her well you know if she kind of poops out why don't you you know just have her read or something first do her phonics first that was never really a thing for Heidi. She basically, that, w- that was not going to happen. And uh, I, I got to watching some other things and realized that, uh, you know, it's, this is kind of a responsibility of ours. I mean, what, what separates homeschool, at least for me, from public school and, and private school is that there are kids
0: right. and
1: it's a tremendous opportunity. It, it, it's not an opportunity. It's, it's a responsibility to disciple your kids at
0: home mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and once i kind of realized that i cared more about who my kids were gonna sort of turn out as rather than how much greek and latin i could shove down their throats <laughs> uh, i got way more comfortable with the whole thing
0: so and pretty much of... all
1: my worries i guess back to the question you know the, huh you know knowledge and and that sort of thing all of that sort of just went out the window and then you know with me without me even you know interjecting it and probably because i didn't interject it it just started happening the the rest of it just came together
2: Uh uh-huh i think that um you know there there are people who have had a lot of personal success within the public schools process so like for example rich When they started to teach him how to read, he just did it. Right. Um, We know other people who went through several grades without actually knowing how to read and had to get one on one help way later because they were not able to keep up with that. And one of the things that I feel like for Corey, um, she has this mental wall where if something's hard, she just doesn't try. Mm -hmm. She's capable of, at this point in her life, taking that first bite to eat the elephant, she doesn't grasp that. And we've tried over and over to explain it to her, but unless we're right there helping her, she doesn't. And and so I think there's a distinct disadvantage for certain personalities in at least certain subjects Mm
0: -hmm. when you
2: put them in that kind of a cookie cutter program. Um, And that's even aside from the responsibility to develop your child's moral character.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. So seeing what their weaknesses are and being able to address that individually in ways that they would not get addressed in an institutional system, at least probably not soon and probably not before there were a lot of other frustrations. Yeah, I
2: mean, it, I, I never felt like throughout my entire life to this point that if I hadn't learned something during those first 12 grades, I couldn't just go figure it out right now. hmm you know, I have a lot of personal confidence in my ability to go and fill any gaps I might have. And I felt like that basically since graduating high school, I never felt like, oh, no, my teacher didn't tell me, you know, about the Mesozoic era. What am I going to do if that question? <laughs> and so I feel like there's this burden on parents that their kid has to learn this right here and this right here and this right here. But in reality you got to teach them to read at some point. Right. you got to teach them some basic math at some point, how to write at some point. And different kids will learn some of these things at their own speed, but the goal is to turn them into productive, responsible adults who can figure out things
0: they need to figure out. Right. Well, obviously, as a mother, to hear you say that, I'm like, you go girl. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and, and and as as Christians, our primary goal being to turn them into Christ followers who glorify God in their everyday lives, aside from the academic side of things. If you don't have that time in in the day with your kids where they're understanding that this is important, mm-hmm. you're allowing them to get their level of importance from other places and then you're coming along later, oh, by the way, here's a little side dish of you know you better read your Bible every day or i'll be in, I'll be mad.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
2: not the same
0: right, and one thing that has been um, foundational advice that I have given people is if you address character and self-control and habits from the outset, then the rest of the learning comes much more easily and much more enjoyably for everybody <laughs> and, and there's there's a point to the learning when mm-hmm. when
2: you're teaching a kid. Who God wants them to be. Right. There is a
0: point to the learning. There's a reason for it. Right. It's not just something to fill their time or to irritate them or frustrate them.
2: It's not. It's not somewhere I'm sending them to be babysat. It's not somewhere I'm sending them to be socialized. Um, you know, there are things that we're doing, and there's a purpose behind it. And I'm happy to explain that to
0: her. You know, unless she's in the middle of a math test and needs to pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> right. She doesn't get to ask all the time just because it's it's a better time than what she's doing. Oh, yeah. No, she, she's a definite expert at... Uh... So
2: this is a very deep question I would like to ask you right now while I'm supposed to be doing this other thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, though, that you bring up the babysitting because you know for me wrapping my head around homeschooling was so hard cuz that that's what we did we got we got dropped off at the babysitter and you know that happened every year for 12 years and you know here i was pretty hardened anarchist for 5 years wanting to to drop my kids off in a school not not public school thankfully <laughs> still wanting to drop them off somewhere else mm-hmm. yeah you know, I don't care where you drop them off. I don't care how much they politically align with you, or philosophically align with you, or something like that. They're not going to, they're not going to line up everywhere, and and really they can't. Mm-hmm. You know, your your responsibility uh, to to teach your children how to live, it is just that it's, it's your responsibility. And I I came across two verses that were pretty instrumental to me that that kind of took homeschooling out of the hey this is this is pretty good or you know this is probably something we should be doing too this is something that you know at, at the risk of sounding dogmatic this is something everybody should be doing okay uh, you know and and one of those is uh, deuteronomy 6 6 through 7 and these words that i command you today shall be on your heart you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. And that, that was a responsibility, you know, the Jews they had for their kids was to teach them, you know, God's law, how to live. And, you know, just to have the, you know, the new Testament side of things, which, this one kind of really sort of just turned me around was Luke uh, six thirty nine and 40. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit, which to me is like public school right there, you know? <laughs> you can't have blind people just leading your kids. But this part is great. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. And so as we started to well, at least as, as I started to kind of think, what do I want Corey to be like? What do I want her to value? Mm-hmm. Those obviously were were very important to me. Those verses were eye-opening. They, they took homeschool from this is good or this is the ideal to this is our responsibility.
0: Yeah, the idea of it is something that requires a more constant engagement, a really living with someone, both the... Deuteronomy and, and the Luke passages, and that the people you spend your time with I mean that's kind of a, a proverb even even among the, you know the average person if they don't know the biblical part, but you know the people you hang out with are the ones you become like oh yeah, sure yeah, I mean, if you want to have any chance
2: of passing your culture onto your children instead of the state authorized culture or the Lord of the Flies culture, uh-huh, you need to be actually spending time with them. Right.
1: Yeah, and, and that would go, you know, for, for any culture, I would say. I mean, obviously, if you have values that you'd like to instill into your kids, you know, they're not going to get them from someone else.
0: Right. So you've kind of answered all the questions in the middle here, as we've had this conversation. Let's just go to talking about have there been any particularly enjoyable results or moments for you in this short time, maybe three, maybe one year that you've been doing this? Um, On the side of,
2: of just things that I'm really appreciative of would be this idea that uh, she's starting to value reading on her own and she's starting to pick up chapter books. Mm -hmm. So I do have her read to me from the Bible every day. That is, that's the only, daily reading out loud she does at this point. Um, we do have some other books we're trying to work through. She's currently reading Charlotte's Web out loud to us, but it it hasn't been something we've been able to do on a daily basis, partly just because we've been sick over the last couple of weeks. But she, in her in her bed at night, she wants to read, and she gets upset if the reading time isn't available to her. And that's that's really precious to me because reading was always a huge part of my childhood right Um, and I wanted her to develop that love of reading that curiosity about books and I of course I want her to do it in a safe environment so I've gone through her books to make sure they're all okay Uh uh-huh but I was worried and I knew that reading wasn't necessarily just snap your fingers for me It, it took a lot of effort on your part to teach me that no, I didn't know what things were because I didn't know how to read yet and you did. <laughs> um, but I, I felt like there were some traumatic moments in trying to get her to focus and learn how to read where we're like, no, you have to sit down, you have to do this. And she would say, I hate this. I don't want to. Um, and so there's always that little bit of concern you have that once you get past that barrier, they're not going to find any enjoyment in it. It's, right. it's going to be a chore every time you want them to read something. Um, and that's that's thankfully not where she is. She is interested.
0: I would say that the whole story is you've laid it out about um, the different attitudes and the progression of attitudes towards teaching her. That in spite of you guys also coming to agreement about approaches and all of that that she's come out okay in it because you still have her best interest in mind and you're working with her definitely I mean, we we've made it pretty clear
2: to her that we value her progress and even when she's not interested i think that helps mm-hmm. um i i was a little on the side of unexpected things you know, we've I've worked with her on numbers and counting and some basic addition, and we play a lot of board games, that sort of thing. I was not expecting her to have completely surpassed a first grade math book. <laughs> um, and, and we're using the Saxon math first grade book. So it's not just math. They build a lot of things into there. And so it's been really useful as far as the calendar and the days of the week she didn't really have a concept of the passage of time on a mm-hmm. daily or monthly or yearly basis. And so I've really liked that part of it. But when we get to the point of like, what's this number, can you count to a hundred or, you know, some basic addition stuff, it's so easy for her. And I love that.
0: Yeah. that's It,
2: encouraging. it, makes, it, it makes it something that she feels like math is an adventure. What project are we going to do? How is this going to be exciting and colorful instead of I don't understand what you're talking about? Uh Uh-huh. And I think that's a balance of she already knew so much and the approach that they're taking in the book. What about you? Anything particularly unexpected or enjoyable?
1: Her insights frequently just kind of amaze me. You know, sometimes you'll be you'll be talking to her thinking that, you know, she's not getting anything out of this. a lot of times she's not but there are other times where you know sometimes she's not even doesn't even seem to be paying attention and i'll ask her about it and she'll not only recall everything i was talking about or what we were just reading but she'll she'll sum it up and articulate it back in her own words and then ask an intelligent question about it just knowing her, you know, just even six, seven months ago, I had no idea that that, that kind of stuff would happen so fast. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, if, if I could to uh, kind of look at the questions here of six, seven, and eight and kind of sure. meld them together, you know, what would you have done if you had started earlier? Um, what would you do differently? And how did your approach to homeschooling mature? And I think all of that for me was just chilling out, mm-hmm. honest, uh, just that it comes having this understanding that things don't have to necessarily be done a certain way. Right. You know, you're learning how to deal with, with your child and, and their unique needs, and they're learning your expectations of them. And you know, at, at some point, you sort of get past that courting phase. <laughs> you know, stuff just starts to work out.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: that's just been really neat for me, just watching that.
2: I feel like it was about maybe two, you started reading to her every night and it was generally some sort of devotional or tiny, tiny little Bible lesson and then a prayer. And the amount that she has gleaned from that consistent behavior over the years is just astonishing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and we, we really, because when they're two, they're not paying any attention to you. You have no idea whether they're listening or not. But even when she was three and four, she started to say things back. And we started to realize she was absorbing every little bit of that. And she loved the consistency. She loves her time at night with dad
0: mm-hmm. where they're
2: listening to the Bible. Um, and she just has started putting all of those pieces
0: together. What reminds me of one of my observations and concerns was being careful about what children are exposed to for that very reason. And that it's not that necessarily something is super bad, but when they listen to certain movies or stories over and over where there are the wrong lessons taught, then they develop those ways of thinking yeah, they start to
2: incorporate whatever it is that they're regularly exposed to.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, per- particularly the you know the train of thought where you know the the seven year olds get together and after being told no several times they they decide to go ahead and you know do it anyways and due to their not following an advice or listening to their parents they've now saved the day
2: or
0: something. Right. Yeah, those aren't really the kind of stories you want your seven year old to be reading a lot of. Yeah. I I knew from anecdotal
2: experience, talking about how did your approach to homeschooling mature, I I knew from anecdotal experience and and from being a kid that nothing's ever perfect, but Mm -hmm. I personally still had pretty high expectations of being able to sit down and do things for certain hours or certain lessons every day. And so I've had to be pretty forgiving of myself if something doesn't go exactly the way I wanted to, you know, I was trying to hit reading and writing and English and spelling and math. Um, And I thought, you know, and if I have extra time, I'll just throw in some piano or science. (laughs) Um, And she's not ready to sit down that long. Right. Um, And with Millie running around and, and the other responsibilities I have, I can't sit down and necessarily just, point my finger at her paper for hours and hours and hours every day. So we try to keep it to about an hour or two a day. And I start with the most important thing. And as far as I get, that's as far as we get for that day.
0: Mm -hmm. But like we
1: will every once in a while, like cook. So I'll have her grab a cookbook and read the instructions to me.
0: There's some practical reading.
1: Yeah, because, you know, hey, step one, read it to me.
2: And uh-huh. she wants to cook, like, desperately. Right.
1: <laughs> and that, that's been good for her. I think our history book had a had a neat suggestion about, you know, we were reading about sort of the Sumerians and, and what they turned into and the sort of thing and how we actually learn about history, you know, whether it's been written down or things people dig up, that kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: we went out into our, our flower bed. Heidi and I, you know, hit a bunch of, like, Farm animals and like uh, you know, a
0: vase, a vase.
1: And, <laughs> and as she was digging him up, you know, we were asking her, "Okay, so what? What does this tell us about this civilization?" Uh,
2: about three objects, and she's like, "Did you put these here?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> which, which was funny.
2: Which was funny because yeah. they're all things from our house. It's like these are all very familiar to you. <laughs>
1: they that's well, it's frustrating, but there, there are also times like that where, you know, you're, you're 20 minutes into an archaeological dig that, that is plastic pigs and cows and things from the kitchen she's used repeatedly. And she's like, hey, wait a minute.
0: We <laughs> just put the pieces together all of a sudden. <laughs> I recognize these artifacts.
2: <laughs> are these my toys? <laughs>
0: are you guys at a point yet where you're getting asked questions from other people about homeschooling from friends or family or even just people in general? Well, I think a lot of Richard's family thinks we're crazy.
2: So they ask him once in a while. So how does that work again?
1: (laughs) It's funny though, because they think we're crazy and then they say things like Corey's a genius. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: You know, don't she, say that in front of her.
1: Exactly, right? I'm like, you know, and, and don't say that in front of your own kids, please. Right. A, it's, it's every kid is different. And where she is with, with what she is good at seems very impressive to my family. But, you know, we have some bright kids in my family. And, right. you know, I'd hate for those kids to, you know, overhear their parents' saying, oh, she's a genius. And they're like, well, what's wrong with me? Right. Um, because, you know, there are a lot of bright kids. But yeah, we we get asked um, whether it's, you know, people in church, people at work. So my my boss actually will talk to me about it quite a bit.
0: Doesn't he also homeschool? So that's a source of encouragement for you guys then? Yeah, yeah. Nice. I would
1: say that probably like like as far as our church goes, I think it's something like Ninety-five percent of the people that go there that have kids are homeschooled. Wow! So it's it's neat in that there's questions being asked both ways.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm
2: I'm about two years ahead of one of the other mothers, and so when she asks stuff, I get to I get to sound like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> the other thing that that comes up though, for me personally, I don't I don't know how much outside observers are looking at it or not, is that. Corey has been articulate since she was two. Very articulate. Yes, she has. Thoughts. She will have a conversation with you. And to some extent, you can tell that the things that are important to her are the things that are important to a typical three, four, five, six year old. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, Millie is not articulate.
0: And she's she's how old? uh, She's two. She's two and uh, almost three. She'll be three very soon. And at that age, Corey was speaking in complete sentences. Exactly. So, so it, I feel like to some extent,
2: kids who can talk have a leg up on perception. Right. Because there are things that Millie knows that I know she knows that nobody else in the entire world will know about. For a while. say them clearly. Right. You know, um, she's got her colors down. She knows a lot of letters. And she is constantly telling me two of this, two of that, two of the other thing, right. you know, I want both. Uh-huh. You know, got some of these constructs mentally down that she can't express.
0: And distinguish
1: right. between like both and all.
2: Yeah, both and all. She was talking to us and she's like, I'm daddy. And, he sa- and Rich said, no, I'm daddy. And she said, we're both daddy. <laughs> and then I said, well, what am I? And she said, we're all daddy. And so I was just kind of floored because she's expressing these concepts and, sh- and she knows these colors and things like that. She's definitely absorbing information. Right. But it makes me think about other kids and how they're perceived. Right. They just can't say it yet. Right. You know? So, so there's a, there's a little bit of a perception that Corey is this this ultra smart, ultra advanced genius, whatever, and um, you know, emotionally, she's a six-year-old. Right. In her ability to do most things, she's a six-year-old. She can just express herself really
0: well. <laughs> yes, comparisons are often poison. So I, I wouldn't want. I, I'm going to be
2: trying to avoid measuring Millie by Corey. You right. Know, trying to find her own strengths.
1: Well, and conversely, we can't get. Corey, to you know, really eat, but Millie super great at that.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we know that Corey had major physical defects when she was born. She had her abdomen sewn up when she was a week old. She was four days old
2: when they did the first surgery for the emphyloceal,
0: right? Which is the emphyloceal means that her muscle wall, her abdominal wall. Did not close properly, so part of her intestines and her liver were protruding through at birth. I think it was just liver. Just liver? If I, if I remember
2: correctly, but I, they had it all wrapped up by the time we
0: saw it. So,
2: right. You know,
1: and that whole time it
2: was kind and of. Because
1: they, they, they said that so minor and major, they were explaining. The minor is if it's just intestines, and the major is if it's both.
2: The major and is if it involves an organ and it right. involves the liver. Um, But, you know, honestly, that was so emotional.
0: I don't always trust my recollection on the details. Right. And then you found out after a couple of months that her heart wasn't, all her heart pipes weren't connected, right? So she wasn't getting oxygen. So she had open heart surgery at two months? Two months, yeah. Yeah. So do you feel like that affects your approach to teaching her your concerns, your observations? Um, so.
1: Energy levels.
2: It,
0: she has always been a little
2: more tired than other children. She napped through five years old and Millie barely napped until two, just as a comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's also. Them. But Corey's also on the move all the time, too. She, she runs around like a crazy person. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So there there have been concerns on our part. I would say that, you know, if if she's fragile or if she's sick and she doesn't eat very much, that all those things can contribute, you know, she prefers sugar to any other nutrient, mm. which I hate to call sugar a nutrient, but there you go. She's <laughs> always been a fan of the quick energy. Um and she had some other issues over the past year that that made us have to sit back and kind of evaluate her diet. Right. She basically was not eating and so she wasn't growing. And so we had to start tracking some of that. So there has been a lot of time in her day taken up with these other concerns.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
2: just in terms of time, when, she, when it takes us to, and it's not, it's not that way at the moment. Right now, I'd say it's more like an hour per meal, but there was a time... Um, late last year, where we were spending two or three hours per meal trying to feed her. There's not a lot of time left in the day after that. Right. And that was happening while we were originally trying to teach her to read, which meant her entire day was turning into stress. Right. Um, and so from a very real point of view, if you have a serious issue with a kid where they're taking this these amounts of time to work through basic functions mm-hmm. um, you know you have to be really patient with anything else
0: right because just like character is foundational to much of learning uh, you, the physical needs are foundational to everything else exactly
2: and um we're we're pretty convinced at this point that the lack of nutrition and the presence of sugar in her diet was causing a lot of attention issues as well. Mm -hmm. So the sugar has been more or less cut out. I mean, she still gets treats here and there, but as much as we can, the sugar is not part of her daily experience. Mm -hmm. And we still, um, you know, every so often sit down and, and calculate, okay, what did she eat today? Is she still hitting her goals? Mm -hmm. Um, and, And a lot of it for on a day-to-day basis is estimating because we've been feeding her for so long the same things that we have a good idea of what she has to eat to meet those goals.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and she's starting to get used to the idea that these are goals she has to meet, even mm-hmm. though she still doesn't like it.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean,
2: she told me just the day before yesterday, but you know, I don't like to eat. I'm never hungry. Huh. And I, it's hard for me to say how much of that is her just mimicking back something we've said to her right because she said one time I don't like to eat and I say you never like to eat or she'll uh, say I'm not hungry I'm like you're never hungry right so, and I, did, I didn't mean to make that part of her identity but kids do that right <laughs> like I was trying to convey that this is not the basis on which you eat or don't eat
0: uh-huh but this right
1: is a, an example of of why the homeschooling. Uh, for us, I mean, another reason why it works so well, because who's going to do that for your kid?
0: You know, who's
1: going to say, kids falling off the charts. And, you know, we need to make sure that we're hitting uh, macro and calorie, just to get some food in her. And Mm -hmm. who's going to spend that time and who's going to back off of some of the requisite learning stuff, just, just to make that happen and, and feel that out. Right. It's, it's, it's a good positive.
0: Well, is there anything else that you would like to throw in here or anything you would like to ask me? Of course, you guys can ask me anything you want all the time. So there's nothing special.
1: (laughs) What do you, uh, I love curriculums. Like, I think that was one of the ways that Heidi got me engaged was just to have me looking and, and doing research and stuff like that. What's your thought on, on curriculums? I mean, do you like them? Are you, are you a person who, you know, more likes to come up with your own sort of curriculum? Do you look for things or did you look for things?
0: I think that the attitude toward curriculum is most important. I think the more boxed, the more all-encompassing a curriculum is, the more stifling and time-wasting it tends to be. Um, more stressful. That's not to say that there can't be some things that are useful in their programmed approach, but I don't think that any curriculum has to be used as, quote-unquote, the designers or the experts say, because you could find it fits or doesn't fit in any particular time period or any particular child. I know that we had some history books, and I used to joke that in order to teach Heidi, all I had to do was give her a book, and she would just read it. But then I found those same books for other kids were just too dry. They weren't interested, and so we dropped them. We went on to something else that was more interesting to them.
1: So even, even within your own family, there there was a lot of diversity in how you would present information and, and maybe curriculum that worked for one just just wasn't a fit for the other.
0: Right. And I think, again, it's kind of how you define curriculum because some people define curriculum as an all-encompassing thing that one company provides for all subjects.
1: Oh, okay. But yeah.
0: some people talk that, you don't. So- Okay. Yeah. And some people think about it's it's whatever you use to teach your kids. It's any kind of programmed thing. And I did find different resources for different things um, that we wanted to approach that helped to lead us through those things, but always keeping in mind being flexible for what seemed to come up, anything from it's not working well with a child to, oh hey, we're moving to Taiwan in two months. What shall we do there? because <laughs> that presented some unique opportunities for those kids that Heidi never had. <laughs> you know, Heidi didn't get a course in Chinese history that included multiple trips to the National Palace Museum. Nope. I just had to ask you guys all my questions. <laughs> so does that answer your question about curriculum? Yeah. Yeah. We have
2: kind of a, a mix and match approach too. Um, we both have a soft spot in our heart for, the Saxon math, and I fondly remember quite a few different English and literature studies. But that's because those were my favorites, right? I made it through the history, but I remember falling asleep while reading history. <laughs> it <was> hard sometimes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, even with Saxon math, I, we didn't use it for the lower grades. I don't think that the the yeah. curriculum for the lower grades had been developed yet when you guys were being taught, but they came with instructions that were emphasized over and over that in order to get what you need to from this program, you absolutely need to do every single problem. No, you don't. We (laughs) we did every other, we self-corrected, they self-corrected some of them, I corrected others of them. If there was a particular type of problem, they were getting wrong, then they did all of those problems, because at that level, at least, Saxon Saxon math had the spiral review, so that they didn't just teach one concept and leave it behind, but they had you reviewing it for quite a while to get it more solidly entrenched in the mind. There's
2: a, there's a little bit of that in the, in the first grade book where you do a thing and then two days later you revisit it and then two days later you revisit it and kind of try to build. But, but you're, you're building on a couple different things and you're constantly reviewing certain basics. So mm-hmm. they definitely built some of that in. It's nice. Yeah. And they, they actually added some aspects of weather and natural science, which Corey just finds fascinating. We got oh, fun. to cut apples open and count the seeds, that sort of thing.
0: So making math more practical, making it something they can relate to instead of a dry subject.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Very nice. I've I've come to the conclusion
2: that um, handwriting curriculum, you just got to pick one and, and do it. But we're... You know, we're, we're enjoying a lot of the English and, and writing things that we've selected. Good.
1: When, uh, at what point did you kind of introduce spelling for the kids?
0: Um, you know, I can't say that I remember for sure. Mm-hmm. And again, I tried some workbooks probably in the later grade school time period um after reading was more solidly established and we were trying to actually write like composition kind of writing and again different kids did okay with that I, I think that heidi liked to fill out those you know just like let's fill in the spaces let's get it done but i think she already knew how to spell and that's why it, there was no stress to it you know it was it was just a coloring book in a manner of speaking but then fun. yeah for for another child spelling was a great challenge and i tried about 3 or 4 different ways of approaching it until i found the curriculum spelling power which again i then modified to fit him sure and and then spelling was a breeze after that
2: and we've been kind of using the alphaphonics book as kind of a a basic spelling approach so she mm-hmm. can kind of practice spelling words that she's supposed to know how they're basically constructed Mm -hmm. her favorite thing so far has been doing word searches yeah if I build them out of the words that she's supposed to be learning she reads it and then she goes and finds it and I'm just trying to emphasize you have to have these letters in this order to make this word
0: right and if she thinks it's a game and that's interesting then then that's great well thank you very much for doing this. It's been a great way to kick off the interviews. Sure.
2: Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, it's been fun.
0: Bye. Okay, that's a wrap. If any of you have questions, in particular for Heidi, since she is someone who was taught at home and who is now teaching her children at home, you can submit them to me and I'll see if she's in the mood to answer them. But for now, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Make sure you have signed up for the Dangerously Helpful Homeschool Dispatch. When you do, you will receive my best 25 homeschool tips. Now go out there and Have fun creating a fantastic homeschooling experience for you and your children.